1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is Joy in the Midst of Trials. Joy in the Midst of Trials. Someone has suggested that life should come with a list of side effects. That there should be a tag on every newborn baby saying life can be full of fun and adventure and excitement and joy. But there are side effects. There's illness, abuse, broken relationships, betrayal, sorrow, loss, injuries, disappointment, heartache, crime, and death. Every thoughtful person has wondered why God allows Charles to be a part of the life of his children. You don't have to live very long before that question stares you in the face. It might be a crucial illness, a critical illness. The brutal execution of God's people the death or injury of a loved one. It might be the loss of a job, the breakup of a marriage, trouble with your children, a season of depression, or financial difficulties. Those things happen to all of us sooner or later. If you have never pondered why God allows such things, you ought to. So when we turn to the Bible, we find many perspectives that help us to understand why trials and tribulations and sufferings come to God's children. Job chapter 5 and verse 7 says, People are born for trouble as predictably as sparks fly upward from a fire. And Jesus told his disciples before he left them in John chapter 16 and verse 33, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 9, Peter offers us some important, at least unimportant, perspective that we need to hear and understand. It doesn't answer every question we could ask about trials, trouble and sufferings, because no single text of Scripture can answer every question. But it does provide a crucial framework for seeing the hand of God at work in the worst moments of our life. The text before us, teaches us four important truths about the trials of life. And the first truth is, our trials are brief. Our trials are brief. Listen to Peter as he speaks in 1 Peter 1 and verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief In all kinds of trials. Now what does Peter mean by the phrase, in this you greatly rejoice? He's referring to verse 5, where he told the suffering believers that God in his mighty power will protect them until Jesus Christ returns. He's saying that they should rejoice over their, their living hope. That is coming. They should rejoice over their living hope that is coming because it is real. With this in mind, Peter assures his readers that their trials would only last a little while. Of course, that little while seems to last forever when you are in the furnace of affliction or trials. You see, when your marriage crumbles, or your children are in trouble, or you lose your job and can't pay your bills, the trial seems to go on forever. So in what sense can Peter say that our trials are brief? The answer is, everything in this life is brief compared to eternity. It's all a matter of perspective. If I say I know a man who can hold his breath for a long time, I mean he can hold it for two or three minutes. That's a long time to hold your breath. And if, I, if someone says, Pastor, you have been at Peoples a long time, you mean that I've been here for 35 plus years. That's a long time for a pastor to be in one church. But um, it's all comparative uh, in terms of the other things that you are thinking about. You see, our trials may last for weeks or months or years, yeah. but seen against the endless ages of eternity, even the worst trials here are brief by comparison. Yes. The psalmist says in Psalm 13, verse 5, weeping may, in, may remain for a night but rejoicing comes in the morning. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. You see, God never asks us to Deny the harsh reality of um, the trials that we have to go through. Peter speaks of uh, having to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, Peter knows that the trials of life bring grief. Grieving is an important human emotion. Yes. God created us with the capacity to grieve. That's right. Jesus demonstrated the depth of human grief when he stood at the tomb of, um, or the grave of his friend Lazarus and wept. And so we find the shortest verse in the Bible is John 11 and verse 35, Jesus wept. It is appropriate for us to grieve when pain, suffering, or death enter our lives. The believer is not immune or exempt from troubles as some would have us to believe. There is much on biblical preaching and teaching today that implies that faith in Christ abolishes sickness and poverty. So they say that if you are experiencing illness or financial problems, it is due to a lack of faith because health and prosperity are guaranteed by Christ's death on the cross. But brothers and sisters, such teaching is not scriptural. It is not biblical religion that they are talking about. It is not the old time religion. It is not the religion of our uh, ancestors. It is name name it and claim it religion. It is American prosperity religion. It is man-made religion dressed in the language of the scriptures, taken out of their context. The trials we face in this sinful world will at times bring great sadness and grief into our lives. But Peter assures us that we need never despair, for God has our situation under control. Our troubles are just for a little while. Thank God they are not permanent. Some troubles last longer than others, but they too will pass. Some of you listening to me today may be suffering from unemployment, financial reversals, (laughs) serious illness, domestic problems, loss of loved ones, and tragedies of one type or another, which seem as if they will never end. But Peter says you can take hope in the fact right. that those things are only for a little while. Come on, come on, come on. But the second um, point Peter is making here is that our trials have a purpose. Yes. Our trials have a purpose. In First Peter 1, And uh, the first part of verse 7, he says, These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. This is the heart of, of Peter's message here. In the midst of trials, God graciously assures us that there is a positive purpose to the trials and the sufferings that we have to go through on this planet as Christians. Trials don't just happen by chance or by some random act of fate. Everything happens for a reason because God is in control of the lives of His people. And nothing can happen to us without God's permission. Even though we may not see the reason for what is happening in our lives, our faith can survive if we know that a reason really does exist. Peter goes on to explain that God sends trials to test and to purify our faith. God puts our faith to the test by allowing hard times to come, not to destroy us, but to demonstrate that our faith is genuine. Trials are intended by God to help us, not to hurt us, to bless us, not to burden us, to develop us, not to destroy us, to refine us, not to ruin us, to mold us, not to shatter us, and to train us, not to torment us. Though tears may fill our eyes at times, Though thorns may line our pathway, though disappointments may break our heart at times, and pain may afflict our body, and waiting may try our, our uh, patience, we need not despair because God is in control and knows what he is doing. Know the contrast between faith and gold. Uh, did you know that it takes four tons of of gold ore to produce one ounce of pure gold wow. during the refining process? The gold ore is heated in a giant vat or in a, in a furnace until it liquefies yes. and then the dross or the waste material is skimmed off, leaving only the pure gold at the bottom and so Uh, Peter is using this to show that uh, the trial that we are going through is greater than what happens in the production of gold. Uh, For example, Job says in Job 23 and verse 10, But we know the way that I take when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That's what God intends through our trials that will come forth as pure gold that is well tested and, uh, and uh, that um, we will produce something that will last forever. Yes. God puts us in, this, in the furnace of affliction right. and trials to burn off the greed, the impatience, the unkindness, the anger. The bitterness, the hatred, the lust, and the selfishness, and all the other things that are in our lives, which are not good. For most of us, that's a lifetime process. But in the end, the image of Jesus Christ is formed in us. Even though we don't realize it and we don't like the process... But um, God has so designed it that the image of Christ is formed in us as we go through the trials and the, and the tribulations of life, the sufferings which seem so difficult. God wants to prove our faith is genuine, and trials provide the most reliable proof. We may all mouth certain phrases that make us sound spiritual when things are going well but how we respond when life tumbles in around us tells a real story of what we truly believe. God proves our faith to us, our loved ones, and to a watching world. Outside the four walls of the church are thousands of people who, who watch the way that we live as Christians. They may not understand what we believe, but they watch us from a distance to see how we respond when hard times come. And if they don't understand it all, they are profoundly moved by a a believer whose faith remains strong in the time of trouble and trial. Hard times make strong Christians and Sad to say, there is no other way to become a strong Christian without going through hard times. This is something that the divine has um, put into uh, the life of his children because he wants to purify us and to make us the people that he wants us to be. And so the Apostle Paul affirms this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 when he says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But the, tr- the third truth about trials is that our trials are eternally significant. Our trials are eternally significant. 1 Peter 1 The second part of verse 7 says, So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The sufferings of this life are only temporary. Certainly, it's an inconvenience that we must endure um, for the present time, but they are temporary. And God, in his grace, uses even that for our good. But our focus should not be just upon our sufferings, trials, and temptations. We should be looking forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ when our faith tested by trials, will be rewarded with praise, honor, and glory. You see, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, 18, and 19, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. What an incredible scene it will be in heaven, when the faithful saints of God are crowned with glory, praise, and honor by our Lord himself. Oh, I can just imagine Jesus saying to the Father, this is such and such a person, you can put your name in in, in there. He or she has suffered for my sake and never denied my name. This is one of my faithful disciples. As those words are spoken, a vast cheer rolls across the universe from the assembled multitudes. And so it will go on, on, and on, one by one, as those who suffered much in this life, those who endured ridicule, hatred, and martyrdom, are revealed and rewarded for their faithfulness. All right, all right. Those who have served the Lord well in this, in this life, who have given of themselves and of their resources in order to extend the kingdom of our God. Yes. And as we look back across the pathway of life, we will see that nothing was wasted, that God rewards those who are faithful to him. God knew what he was doing all along in the the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings that we had to go through. Brothers and sisters, we shall be more than compensated for all our trials when we see our blessed Savior face to face, to have one word of his commendation, to be honored before the holy angels, to share the glory of Christ, to sit down at the welcome table, to sing and never get tired will more than repay for all we have suffered here on this earth. But the fourth truth that Peter is giving us here in this text is that joy comes in the midst of trials. Joy comes in the midst of trials. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The suffering Christians to whom Peter wrote were rejoicing Christians, happy Christians, Christians whose lives were bubbling over with joy because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Even though their lives were difficult, they knew that the Lord would take care of them. The believer can experience authentic joy in the midst of trials because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5:22, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peter describes the believers joy as an inexpressible and glorious joy which means you can feel it but you can't describe it you cannot explain it to your friends and non-believers don't understand it at all they cannot understand how Christians can have joy in the midst of trials Try to explain the joy that you have as a believer and see how difficult it is. The joy that Peter is speaking about can be experienced in the midst of trial and pain. In the 1980s, a pastor in Southern California visited the African country of Uganda, which saw so much devastation and suffering under the former president, E.D. Amin, and the civil war that toppled him from power. He reported that most of the Christian brothers and sisters that he met had lost several loved ones. Most of them had lost everything that they possessed. They were struggling for food and for survival. But he said he had never uh, never, uh, been among such genuinely joyful people in all of his life. His megachurch in Southern California was made up of very affluent members who possess uh, nearly everything that money can buy. Yet, he said, his people did not display the joy which he observed in the lives of the suffering Christians in Uganda. He said, joy does not come from the abundance of things that we possess. Joy is a product of the Holy Spirit. Yeah occupying our lives and reminding us of who we are and what God has done for us. Oh, every now and then I remind myself that my Father in Heaven chose me as his own before the foundation of the world. I have to remind myself that he called me to accept his Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord more than 50 years ago. He forgave me of all my sins, past, present, and future. He provides for my every need and tells me of an inheritance reserved in heaven for me. He tells me in his word that in Christ I have a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be troubled, a joy that can never be expressed, a foundation that can never be moved, a promise that can never be broken, a touch that can never be mistaken a victory that can never be lost, a wealth that can never be stolen, a resource that can never be depleted, and a future that can never be regretted. So whenever I have a need or concern, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. In my trials, in my troubles, in my sorrows, in my disappointments, he abides with me and he gives me the victory. And all I have to do is just keep the faith And never cease to pray. Just walk upright. Call on him noon, day or night. And he'll be there. He'll be there. There's no need to worry. For God never fails. Amen. amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry. A broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org.